0: Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast and here is where your courageous life starts. Hey there and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now I have to up front tell you there's a Trigger warning, Um, I am interviewing an incredible woman today who has lost two children to suicide and I guess what we're really trying to talk about today is prevention and awareness and, you know, the work that she does to try and prevent any of this happening to anybody else. So, uh, you know, you might not want to listen to it, but I I hope as many people can listen to this as possible, because I think it's time that we did put the conversation on the table and really did try to work towards how can all of us, uh, you know, do more to prevent this from happening uh, to other families. So let me tell you about Alana. After suffering the terrible loss of two children, Alana has worked tirelessly over the past 19 years to raise awareness of suicide prevention and to destigmatize what was once considered a taboo subject. Alana worked with other communities to create a campaign in central Victoria promoting suicide prevention strategies. From this, the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Network, which is SPAN, was formed. Alana helped establish Safe Talk suicide prevention workshops with community groups, while also mentoring funeral directors, health agencies and bereaved families, using her personal experience to help educate others. In November 2021, Alana was the winner of the inaugural Fred Awards, an initiative by the Fred Hollows Foundation to recognize the Humanitarian of the Year. Welcome Alana. Hi, thank you. you 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 know i'm going to talk about the fred hollows award later on in the interview but uh i can't i can't even imagine a more worthy recipient and i just i i, I had to reach out to you straight away because i just you know your story is um well it's gut-wrenchingly heartbreaking but um i shouldn't say but because there's no negating that at the same time you've managed to you know really find, I guess find the meaning in it and the purpose in it to, to help other families. So we' we'll, we'll go through that as we go, but you're truly a blessing to society. and thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Well speaking of blessings, let's talk about before all this tragedy you know happened. And you were blessed with three beautiful children, Stuart, Angela, and Stacey, tell us a bit about them as kids growing up before any of this ever crossed your mind. There's definitely
1: a before and after. We've spoken about that many times in our family. Um, Stuart was first born, so three years later we had Stacey and then not quite two years Angela was born. So Stuart was sporty and fun and popular with his peers. Popular with people older as well, he would go down the street with his mates and some of the mates said to us that, oh, don't go down town with Stu. It takes forever. He stops and talks to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really nice that that guy said that to us. But yep. um, he was a bit of an innocent. He, he believed in um, right always happening. Like, he didn't believe that things, people would do things badly. For no reason. He just was a bit of an innocent in that way. But um, mostly really popular and sporty and fun to be around and very loving. He used to call his kinder teacher, said that she was as pretty as pink. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. oh. But Stace, um, our middle child, Stace had, was born with some um, chromosome deficiencies and always suffered. She has hearing loss. She's... Um, quiet, she couldn't play sport, she had trouble with schooling, so different to Stuart and Angela, yet a beautiful, loving, free spirit that would do anything for everyone. Stace was always protected by both Stuart and Angela at mm-hmm. school or out and about. She she always needed that protection, but um, since they've died, Stace has tended to. I don't know she's got their personalities in her and she's just gone ahead leaps and bounds she's probably done more than we ever expected she would have which wow. is amazing mm. and Ange was the baby um, she was cute she was fun she was so loud she had lots of friends who will also tell you how loud she was at school and one of the teachers did a um, a session with the kids after Ange died and they said, what is it that you're going to miss most about Ange? And her jokes, her loudness, her funny things, her loudness. It was just always about how loud she was. But she was also very loyal, especially to Stuart. She had come across different things in her life that was only 16. That should never have happened to a 16-year-old or 13, 14, 15, and 16 when um when all this started for us. So it did change her, but Ange was the type of kid that I always thought she would be all right. It was Stacy that I worried about. So mm. it turns out that I worried about the wrong one. You, you
0: just don't know though, do you? Like it's uh, and and Teenagers in particular keep so much to themselves and, yeah. you know, they'll always tell you everything's okay and, you know, it's... it's- uh,
1: and I think her personality was the type that she brushed everything off and she did seem to cope really well with everything. So when all of that happened to Stuart, she was seeming to cope and mm. I guess underneath it was too much.
0: So Stuart became, you know, interested in being a chef and, you know, really, really thought that that was going to be a fantastic career. How did how did that come about? What what suddenly triggered him to become a chef or want to become a chef? Well, my mum and dad had a coffee shop in Hay in New South
1: Wales. It was a really small town. Everybody had come into the coffee shop and on school holidays we would go there or one or two of the kids would stay with mum and dad and he'd go into the shop and he'd help them and he'd serve people and he really loved it. And then in year 10, they had a school camp to the Gold Coast and he was talking to the driver who was also the cleaner, who was also the cook, and he sort of talked about it when he got home and said, that sounds like a great idea. I think I'll be a cook and drive buses around Australia. He started off doing a, um, a school traineeship. So he did two days at school and three days at a workplace and really loved it. And then he applied for a job and another girl got the job. But then in the meantime, somebody else left. So he was the next one and they rang him and said, you can also start if you like. So he was 17, 17 and nine months. So he had a three-month trial.
0: And at 17 and 9 months or yeah. even just 17, 18, all, all that age, yeah. your life's only starting. You know, you, you're just starting to um, get a grip of who you really are and what's important. And
1: It's so different to school where everything is handed to you and there's rules and regulations that everybody follows, whereas work at was you're on your own.
0: And it shouldn't be like that. This is why they have... Um, you know workplace health and safety and everything else, but you know you've, unless somebody's speaking up, but and in and in Stuart's case, sadly, that um, his enthusiasm for that you know you know for being a chef and for that wonderful new life that he had envisaged um, was I'll say it I'll say stolen from him because that's how I feel it to be, um, and through a series of you know horrible workplace bullying events and. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to dredge up trauma for you every single no, time. No, that's okay. It was, um, you've got to remember it was 21 years ago and
1: workplace bullying wasn't a thing at that time. It was, it was normal that, not nice, but normal that the youngest and the, the newest copped it. So when Stuart came home and told us that things had been happening and he wasn't happy at work, he didn't really specify what was going on, but both my husband and I, and we both still feel so guilty about it, said, oh, you're an apprentice. You have to put up with a little bit of the, the stuff that goes on. And and I f- I truly believe that he um, took that on as he wasn't strong enough and he never really mentioned it to us again until he'd actually left the workplace and, and it all came out. And then he said, but I tried to tell you, and, of course, You know that's one of the things that we just felt so
0: guilty about. Mm. And and oh, I can't even imagine how that would feel as a parent. You know, but you you can't blame yourself. But I'm no good. No point me saying that because. And we have worked through it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um and so he um. The bullying was like. You know, like some of the things I've read, making uh, five minutes to go, and and they would make him count a, a twenty kilo bag of peas or something. How many bees are in there? And and yeah, it was sort of
1: aimed in a joking way, but if he didn't do it, it became serious. There was some awful things. He bent over something, and the guy came up behind him and did some pretty awful sexual type things. Um, there was a lot of humiliation and um, jokes at his expense, Um, just little things that just chipped and chipped and chipped away at him until he believed that he was a wuss or a pussy, as he was being called many times. He believed that he wasn't strong enough to take it. Other people had gone through this. Why couldn't I?
0: Mm. This is one of the things I, you know, hear a lot about bullying is that the person who's being bullied... Doesn't speak up and tell people because they feel weak, you know, because they feel ashamed and 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 this horrible sense of, you know, I failed and I'm not good enough and that and in in actual fact that's nowhere near the truth. The truth is that the bully is an absolute bastard, usually well, bastard or a bitch, whatever you know, just an absolute mongrel, and and the poor person who's um, on the receiving end of it constantly is traumatized by this not only by the person, but by their own beliefs about themselves. uh, And that underlying thing that we had said, oh, you have to put up with it. Yeah.
1: Had we known how bad it was, we would never have said that. Mm. But um, he never really spoke about what was happening. He just said, I don't like it that much, that pick on me.
0: Yeah. Mm. And if it was sort of semi-normal back then, I guess you just sort of do it and Oh, I, I mean, I just, every time I think about your story, my, you know, I just, my heart breaks. I don't, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how a parent can go through this, but you have and it, it's, um, um, and Stuart and Angela are very close, like it, despite the fact that there was a, you know, a, a bigger gap between them than the, than the others. And um, Angela had quite a tough time coping with, you know, all of the treatment, She didn't seem to.
1: In hindsight, yes, she did. But like I said earlier, Anne just let things brush off her like a duck. But um, there was an incident at her secondary school where a teacher was blamed for doing something that Angela witnessed and it wasn't what actually happened. And she stood up and there was quite a few students who really bagged her about it, you know, taking the teacher's side instead of the students. And she said that... If somebody had stood up for my brother, he wouldn't be suffering now. So she was really strong in that way. But she was only 13 when Stu first became what we call unwell. And 13 is an awful age to have so much change in her life. And I remember one night we were sitting at the table at dinner and Stuart had had his licence at this stage, so Andrew was probably about 15. And we heard his car coming and we thought, we never knew what mood he would be in, or what was going to happen next. And she said, "Uh oh, here comes George." And we looked at him. And said, no, that's Stu. And she said, "No, that's not Stu. That Stu left when all this shit happened. That's George."
0: Um, how, how did his um, behavior change over time? That to go from a, a really happy boy that you know talked to everybody to what how did he end up like how did it affect his his state of being so he
1: used to get up and ride his bike to work
0: he was always half an hour early
1: he'd come home and he'd cook whatever he'd learned that day for us for dinner or he'd say can you buy chocolate because I want to write our names in chocolate on the cheesecake or whatever and within about two months He started to not want to get there so early or sleep in. And I just thought, you know, that's 5am, getting up in the morning, it's winter. That makes sense. He's not Mm. used to the early morning, so I brushed it off. And then he'd start um, taking a sickie. And again, it was, well, he's now 18. He's been out drinking for the night. He's tired. I didn't put it together with something was going on at work. And then um, he went on work cover, and he just changed. He, he got onto marijuana, which was really bad for him. He um, would lie in his bedroom in a fetal position, crying. He he still went to soccer, but he didn't uh, interact with his mates. He he probably isolated himself. I remember one day. Um, Something had come out through the investigation that he was really, he felt ashamed of, even though it wasn't his fault. And he walked around, he had a packed bag over his head with the eyes cut out because he didn't want us to see him. He said, How can you look at me knowing that that had happened?
0: Oh, God. God, that's just bloody
1: devastating. It's, but he changed from Stuart to George, as Angela said. There was such a huge before and after.
0: Mm. Was there, was there mental health support back then or, you know, any counsellors that could have... He had
1: um, EPA, I think it's called, where he had two sessions and then was told, we well, have had two free sessions now. You have to pay for yourself or we'll go elsewhere. Um, he was a apprentice, so he got some free counselling at TAFE, but then he was no longer working, so they said you have to go elsewhere. He um, went to community free counselling, because when he was on work care, he was only getting 75% of an apprentice wage. Mm. That's not much. Mm. And couldn't afford private counselling. And again, he was sent elsewhere because he didn't fit our criteria. Perhaps it was the marijuana and whatever. Then he went to YSAS and the guy who saw him at YSAS left. But like this guy is way up here on my level of he um, continued to see Stuart right until the week before he died in his own time, without pay.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah.
1: But he was pushed from pillar to post. There was work cover investigations, so psychiatrists to like. I don't think they were really there to help him. I felt like they were there to see whether he's going to go on work cover. So it was more about.
0: Mm.
1: You know, there's other reasons not work that yeah. contribute to do your. Your state of mind, and there were other reasons. He became involved with a girl that wasn't the best choice, mm. and they weren't good for each other. It wasn't just her; they were bad for each other. And I guess the marijuana was part of that. But,
0: mm. Mm. And he, and he also had a daughter in that time as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember
1: the day he told me they were pregnant. Like, oh, goodness, that's good news. But boy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither of them were ready to be parents. Mm. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Did, and was the baby born before you lost Stuart? Yeah, she was
1: um, four months old when Stu died and um, we thought that perhaps that would be enough to keep him here. There mm. was probably about a year between when he finished work and went on work cover, there was an investigation. He met the girlfriend, pregnancy. There was about a year where we sort of thought, Things could improve. He, he got off into hospital. He, he's got some more work elsewhere. But um, underlying, there was still the work cover investigation happening. There was this relationship that wasn't doing them any good, which we didn't realise at the time that it wasn't that good. And then there was um, the work cover investigation finished and it all sort of bombed again.
0: Mm, God, there's just there's just so much um, underlying stuff with everybody. Didn't like we all put on yeah. this brave face, and you know everybody says, "Oh yeah, I'm fine," because we don't want to be the person who brings anyone down, and we don't want to be the person who seems weak. And you know, if only and the stigma around appearing weak or being a victim, you know, or, or, or crying poor is is still pretty bad and you're working on that i'm going to get to that soon but um you know in the meantime um this really did impact angela did that you know you thought she was going really well and you know you've talked about um Stu losing his life but prior to Stu, um you lost angela yeah we had
1: received a phone call from WorkCover in late July saying that they had finished their investigation and they would let us know within a month whether or not it would go to court. We know now that Angela and Stuart had discussed things that had happened to him in the workplace that he hadn't discussed with us and we found out a lot of more information afterwards when we read statements and such. And Angie had already been through um, sticking up for Stuart at school, at sport, Sort of doing that thing with this teacher and being really strong. Bendigo is a small town. When you mm. when you have an incident like this, I guess she pro- probably thought that this is all going to come out and be on the local Bendigo paper, mm. and and she took her life a week after that phone call. There was some incidents happening at school with girlfriends and such, but underlying, we believe that it was the the work cover, um, the thought that maybe Stuart's going to go downhill again when all this comes out. We believe that that was probably the catalyst for her
0: taking her life. That's um, it, it, that's so extreme. Do you, you know, to 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 feel so um, to so, feel so much pressure within you. Do you. You know, and to feel so much empathy I guess for somebody else that you would go so far as to do that I, I you I, you must have been absolutely bloody shocked just
1: just we expected Stuart might take his life there were several times he'd attempted and we had talked about it that you know we hope that he gets through this and if he gets through this he'll be a stronger person but yeah. like I've said I just didn't say it with Anne she was so out there and in your face and loud and always laughing and carrying on. But that underlying gentleness and kindness that she didn't show was eating away at her. And um, and there was an incident that happened at school that day between a couple of girls that probably pushed her, but it wasn't their fault and it wasn't. It was probably something that she would have gotten over. It was that underlying fear of what might happen with Stuart, I think.
0: Yeah. People are going to be listening to this and think, you know, um, how does a mother cope, you know, losing losing a daughter and, um, you know, w- as well as having the other, uh, you know, the pressure that's going on in the background. And But you, you lost Stuart only one month later, only one yeah. month.
1: That month in between, it was so hard because we were grieving Angela but at the same time, we were terrified of losing Stuart. Mm. And every time I thought I must be careful, I've got to go and check on Stuart, I felt guilty because I wasn't thinking about mm. Edge. Yeah. And then there was Stacey in the middle that we were trying to keep safe. I
0: I can't even imagine it. Like I just and I feel like a lot of people listening to this can't, wouldn't even be able to fathom what what you went through and. I don't know how we did go through it, to be honest, one day at a time. Either do I know how you went through it. Like, you know, I, I like, how did you keep going? Like, how, I mean, I said one day at a time, but like, like to lose two children in one month plus all that underlying pressure, I don't, you know, a lot of people may have even taken their own life or may have um, just gone into a complete state of, I, I can't do I can't do life anymore, or I don't know what what was it, Stacey? Or what what kept you upright? It was Stacey. It was Taya. Um,
1: it was my nursing background. I knew that I had to keep myself strong and safe mm. and healthy because I did have to look after Taya and Stace. There was something always going on. Like mm. the grief was there without a doubt, and it was full on in my face grief, but there was also that need to be there for the baby, need to be there to make sure Stacey was all right.
0: Mm. Did she ever ask about her dad and, you know, or Houston? to? Um,
1: no, right from the baby, we were very, very careful to talk about Stu and Ange, and I contacted the Doogie Institute, it's an American thing, works with suicide victims and such, and explained how old she was and that we wanted to know what to do with her. So they said to be honest in age appropriate. So mm. uh, Because she came to us more often than she was with her mum when she was those ages, I used to say to her, that, see that photo of your dad? Look at him smiling. He's holding you. Look how much he loved you. Mm. And then as she got a bit older, your dad died. And she didn't know what that was, but she accepted the words and a little bit older, she would ask how did my dad die and I told her that your dad died because the part of his brain that thinks was sick Mm. and she accepted that until eventually she got the whole story and by that stage she'd accepted that dad had died and that it had been suicide and that he loved
0: her. Mm. Wow, that's... Uh, everything you're saying like the, every little part of this is breaking my bloody heart I'm trying trying not to cry but I'm, I'm such a I'm such a bloody sook baby but um uh, it's um w- wow you know I what 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 a, what a tough a tough set of circumstances. everything Do you know it's not just the one thing like there's just so many tough things that you've managed to go through did you through any of this have some kind of sense of I need to be strong through this. I need because I want to bring those injustices, you you know. Oh, yes. (laughs) Definitely
1: to begin with. I I did what I called my own, um, I can't remember the words now. There was something going around at the time about justice, and people who'd been victims of crime would go to the criminal and they'd have a chat and stuff. Restorative justice, that was the word, and I'd heard about it and I'd done some volunteer work with a group that was working with that, and my restorative justice was that I went to every single person that I had been to previously asking for help and said, you know, why? Why did you not do what you said you would do or why did this happen or why did that happen? And, And most of them... I felt satisfied with their answers. There was one that I didn't, but I've learned to let that one go. But I think in the end I was trying to find out what went wrong so that I could fix it, and then I realised that I'd never be able to fix it, so I was able to let it go.
0: Well, I think you're an incredibly strong woman, um, and you might not feel that or, you you know, or you might just think, well, I'm just a mum doing my best, but I, I think that... I think there's a lot of strength and a lot of courage in what you've done. The, the other thing is that that was back in the early 2000s and you, you know, back then suicide, well, you said, you know, like the workplace thing, it just was normal and suicide was seen as, um, you know, weakness and, you, you know, that type of stuff. How did you, um, and there's a lot of stigma and shame, you know, around that sort of stuff. How did the community, uh, I guess, respond to you as a mother uh, losing two children being in a town like Bendigo which was not as big then you know not as uh, yeah
1: twofold I was really blessed with a lot of really good friends who were very very supportive but there was also the gossip you know what sort of family are they my next door neighbor was asked you live next door and what sort of family are they and he said they're just normal like you and me wow but there was a lot of gossip about people had heard that there was some physical, verbal, sexual abuse. So I put two and two together and came up with 10 and and that was pretty awful. But over overall, I believe that we were very, very lucky to have such supportive people.
0: Mm. Oh God. I, I did I read somewhere in one of your articles that people would cross over to the other side of the road and to avoid you. And you know, maybe I I think that that happens a lot you know that people just don't know what to say they're just yeah
1: yeah but to balance that one day I was walking because that was my thing I used to go for a walk every morning when Stuart was alive I'd walk to get home to make sure he was okay and after he died it was I have to get out of this house I just had to get out and often I would see people and they'd either put their head down and keep walking or mm. whatever people I knew this particular morning I saw this woman coming and Her kids had gone to the same primary school. They were a few years younger, but I knew her by name and that's about all. And mentally I was walking towards her thinking, here we go, what's she going to do? Is she going to walk across the road or is she going to put her head down? She stopped. She looked me straight in the eye. She put her hand on my shoulder and gently rubbed. Didn't say anything. And then stood there for a few seconds and then kept walking. And I think, yeah, you don't have to say anything, it's... um, it's the fact that you make the effort to try.
0: I think that's a really, really important thing because most people don't know what to say. And just the acknowledgement that I feel you, you know, is is probably. And that one incident is the one that sticks in my
1: mind, but not the ones who turned away or pretended not to think. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was going to ask you. You know, I was thinking about this prior to us, you know, getting on Zoom today, and if you would do something different as a parent. But I think, I think, you know, you you already covered that, saying, you know, that I wish I, I wish I had of, um, you know, not said those words about you're just an apprentice. Or is there anything yeah, else you definitely wish? Definitely
1: that. I've always believed that with Stuart we did absolutely everything we could to try and save him. There's things that I'd have done differently if I'd known things differently.
0: Yeah.
1: But with what we knew at the time, 100% sure that there's nothing more we could have done. Angela, different story. If I'd been more aware that she was suffering, if I'd been more observant of how this was affecting her rather than just being so focused on him, Mm. there was a lot of guilt around Angela's death that took a lot of counselling and a lot of
0: self-forgiveness. Mm. And you can say that, you know, if only we had of encouraged her to speak up or something, but half the time they're not going to speak up and it's, you know, that And I think, to Stuart's
1: mental illness was so textbook. It was mm. absolute change from the normal Stu. There was... um some violence with his marijuana use, there was the lying in bed in the fetal position and crying, all of the things that you would expect from a mental unwellness. And she continued on the way she was. Perhaps she saw herself as she was okay. And it was just this one day that she reacted before
0: thinking. And it could have been so different. Could yeah. could have been so yeah. different, yeah. I'm I'm, one, I'm going to ask one more question on this and then we're going to move on because you've done some amazing stuff out of this grief and it, it, that takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage. But um, I'm thinking that a lot of people listening to this uh, would be feeling like me in one sense, completely heartbroken and deeply touched. <laughs> you, you know, that, that's just kind of like unimaginable. And But the other part, like, for me and I know other people who feel this is this extreme fury and anger at such senseless behavior towards innocent people you know and I I for one I, I cannot stand bullying and it 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 to I don't even understand where that shit comes from do you know I don't even understand why you would think to it, be it was a
1: psychopath really a Work cover found somebody who worked 20 years ago with the same guy and the same things was happening then. So well, I've um decided that he's taken far too much from us and he's not having any more of my headspace.
0: So yeah. So well, I think people what I reckon people would want to know what became of that investigation. Did he did he pay his dues? No, because um, the
1: Department of Education and Training refused to allow apprentices or trainees in that workplace while he was still there. He was actually given a payout while Stuart oh. was still alive, and Stuart saw that as they paid him to do this to me. Oh. So it was another nail in the coffin, really. It was um he never paid because Stuart wasn't alive to go to court, then the court case didn't happen. Oh. We had two phone calls. In the week after Stuart's funeral from people who'd worked with him both saying, Oh, look, I'm really sorry. We were told that we weren't allowed to speak up. We had to sign a confidentiality agreement. I'm sorry, can I go back to work cover and tell them what really happened? And I Well, that's not going to bring him back. I'm not going to bring Ange back. So yeah, I've just
0: put them out of my mind. They're not worth any of my headspace. Well, I think that's grossly, grossly. Um, unfair and bloody disgusting actually and I you know I I really hope that with these new bully laws and you know workplace health and safety laws that they have now I dearly dearly hope that things have dealt with better now and I'm I'm not I'm not going to be so naive as to think that they are but you know I, I really hope that things are better now but it does not bring someone back but Oh yeah, you may. I'm on the edge of my seat, like nearly. I'm trying to hold back tears so much, and and then the anger of that just. I'm I'm almost I'm speechless, but I'm going to move on because otherwise we just get stuck in that rut of wanting to wanting to just bloody. Even that, there was some
1: positive that came out of that. I um bumped into literally bumped into Lindsay Fox around a pole.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) and um, he. My husband worked for Armaguard we were at a function and he said, oh, do you work for me or are you the little woman who's um, come down with your husband sort of thing? And I'd been at a suicide bereavement weekend and left early to go to this function and I said to him, well, actually, no. (laughs) And he said, oh, so you're enjoying the weekend, been out shopping? And I said, no, actually, I've been to A and I was... He pissed off, and yeah. he grabbed me by the arm and took me over to the other side of the room and said that his son had died. Is there anything at all that you believe caused the suicides? And I told him about workplace bullying, and he said, "What can I do? Whatever you want, what can I do?" And he um, organised and paid for a DVD that I made with Lyn Fox, and that went out to over 300 companies Australian wide, and it was a anti-bullying educational DVD, so
0: even that well, has
1: been positive come from that.
0: yeah yeah and and the right person at the right time so yeah. you you that 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 DVD that you made like this and this is sort of this is the beginning of your journey to say well you know I, I have gone through this grief and I, I don't want anybody else to go through it you know and, and what what can I bring my what can I do with my courage and strength you know to help other people so that 300 DVDs where did where did that sort of go out to and ha- Sort of. Where it started it? off. It
1: was an educational thing just for Lindvox in their own workplaces, yeah. and then um, other places heard about it and asked for copies. So they made copies and they just sent them out to anybody who asked for it. So,
0: with the aim to reduce, uh, it was
1: yeah to be used in workplaces as an educational
0: tool. Yeah. And then after that, which I think that's fantastic in itself. And had you just stopped there, that still would have been enough. But you didn't stop there; like you were ended up doing, um, creating a campaign to promote suicide prevention strategies, and worked with some other companies or other organisations to develop that. So, what was that about? So that was SPAN um, in
1: 2011. A woman that who was my counsellor to begin with, and then I volunteered for her workplace. She and I were invited to Geelong to talk about workplace bullying, which we did, and um, we met two women who had started SPAN in Geelong. They had both lost their sons around Australia Day weekend, a year apart, and they'd started SPAN Walk in Geelong and they invited us to come along the following year, which we did. And Bette and I talked about it and we just said, we've got to get this in Bendigo. So we went to Rod Case, who was the editor of the Bendigo Advertiser at the time, And he was just so quick to come on board. We got a committee going and we started our first fan walk in 2012. And the Addy was absolutely amazing. For for that era, 2012, the day of the walk, the front page of the Bendigo Advertiser, which was a really big paper like, uh, like the age size, had the word suicide in bright red, made up of Butterflies and the amount of butterflies of, of the suicide toll that year. Oh, so that was, wow! I can't remember. I think it was seventeen hundred odd butterflies in the word.
0: and it was front page. Seventeen hundred in what area? Like from in Victoria, I or was I think it was in Australia. Seventeen hundred. It's oh, just seventeen hundred too many. A lot more than that now. Yeah, I, so. I know. Yeah. So, so what is um. So there's two things you've talked about there that we will pull out at pull part. Um, SPAN. What does SPAN stand for? Uh, Suicide Prevention
1: Awareness Network.
0: Okay, and the walk is—is is that an annual walk now that you
1: you? Um, we've had nine. We had to cancel both 2020 and 2021, but I saw in the Betty Go paper to, on the, the
0: weekend that um, the Easter Fair is going ahead. So I figure if they can, we can. Yeah, good. good. Next year, yeah. <laughs> And and so what happens? Does that people just come and walk to raise awareness for suicide? Or yeah, it's really important to
1: stop the traffic. So we start at Daigun Gun Sand, which is the Chinese precinct in Bendigo. Yep. We walk through the botanical gardens there at Roslyn Park. We go to the fountain, which is the middle of the city of Bendigo. Walk along the main street there. The police stop all the traffic while. 300 to 500 people across the road and it's really important there because some people in their cars go, what's going on? They look and they see the T-shirts with span on it and it's that awareness Mm. but it's very important for the families who've lost um, someone to suicide. They find that the walk and the butterfly ceremony that we have at the end of it is just so comforting for them. It's a place where they can feel... They're not alone, that other people understand what they've been through. Mm. And we're working towards not just people who've been bereaved, but other people coming along to, to learn about how suicide affects our community.
0: Has it expanded a lot from just the bereaved families to a lot more community people being involved? Yes, yeah, slowly.
1: It's... Um, It's had a lot of um, media attention and we've been very lucky in Bendigo that we have had that attention and I think, I'm not quite sure of the statistics, but at least 110 people are affected by a suicide. So if you have maybe 100 suicides in Bendigo, that's quite a lot of people Mm. that have been affected. So if you look at from that perspective, Everybody knows somebody who's either had a family member, a school friend, a workplace friend, a neighbour, yeah.
0: And even my cousin who lives in Bendigo was, you know, she remembers um, you losing your two kids, you know, and, you know, even not knowing you, you know, she still talks about it now as having a big impact. I, remem- I remember that, you know, and I remember back then. And I think that... Even if you're not connected in that 110, I think people still hear it, and they're kind of like, "Well, that that's in my town, you know, that's someone I know. I went to school, you know, that's my school." Do you, you know what I think that it probably expands way further than that 110, and and you you stop and reflect and think, "Oh, wow! Do you, wow!" And I think and it it hits you in the face way way too hard. Yeah. And then all of those people know somebody else who
1: may have known somebody else. And yep. yeah. And our kids, I've had so many people have come up to me at the span walk and they knew our kids through sport or through friends of friends or something like that. I it, it, absolutely love it when somebody will come up and tell me, oh, I remember your kids or tell me a funny story about something they did or Angela wearing yellow shorts to school and not getting in trouble when everybody else would get in trouble for wearing the wrong colour ponytail. Color. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
0: that's my girl. <laughs> well, it's keeping their memories alive, isn't it? It's yeah, And it's sort definitely. of, um, yeah. it's it's leaving a legacy, Do you know, and it's and it's yeah. sort of saying, you know, they may be gone physically, but we still remember them and they're still part of our lives and they're still part of this community and. I think that's special. That was really difficult for us in the early years.
1: All we could remember was the pain and the loss and mm. bullying and the system and the disappointments and the letdowns. Whereas maybe I'd say towards six years, I smiled at a memory and it was like, oh, goodness, what, why am I laughing about these kids? They're not here. What's so funny about that? And then, And that was the beginning of I can remember really fun things now and it's I love
0: it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It takes a lot to get to that though. I think that I think that that's we've just got to also accept that there is a a process for grief. And people say just just forget it. I oh, know. Just be just don't worry about it. you'll be okay. I think that we just have to we have to allow each other to move through that process. Yeah, you have honest. to go through it.
1: You can't not. You can avoid it for as long as you like, but eventually you have to go through it.
0: Yeah, and I've heard a great expression about it. it's like waves, you know, And at first, because I lost my sister, you know, I've been to cancer and it's at first it's like, you know, the waves are really sharp and fast and hard and they just keep coming and they keep smacking you in the head, you know, every hour, every half hour, it just doesn't go. And then over time, those waves sort of become smoother and they... You know, they become more time between each time they come up, but they still come up and they're going to come up. Sometimes a
1: tsunami will still come and get you, yeah. yeah. That,
0: yeah, and it's it, it, it never goes away, but I think it just becomes a little bit more manageable. And you, you, know. you learn how
1: to live with it,
0: yeah. You learn to accept the unacceptable, and I, I think that's it. It's not really um, getting over it, it's accepting that. It is what it is. You also um, developed or helped develop Safe Talk. What's what's that about? So span
1: the year that we um, didn't do the walk. We applied through a Victorian government funding scheme that was called Pick My Project, and we were lucky enough. It was voted by the um, communities. We were lucky enough to be one of the groups that were voted in, and we got $100,000 from the state government. And with that, we used it to do safe talk education. Um, We wanted it to be in workplaces and we also wanted it to be available to public. Like, for instance, a hairdresser who couldn't afford to give their staff time off to go to a four-hour session, Mm. then they could... um, We had them at at the TAFE and we had a couple of different places where the public could come in their own time. Um, I think we had... 32 sessions. One of them was cut short because of COVID and we couldn't do it. Mm. They were very well received in some of the businesses and the public ones. We had people come from there was a hairdresser one day. There was a couple school teachers came in a mixed group and families. There was a mum
0: who just came because she was interested. She had teenage children and she wanted to learn as much as she could. What sort of feedback are you getting from people when you when you're doing those talks?
1: Um, really positive yeah. feedback from the ones who had attended. It was hard work getting them um, advertised enough that people knew that they were okay to come along. It wasn't like the ones that we had at places like um, Hazeldean's chickens. That was easy because Hazeldean's organised for their staff to yeah. attend. And St. John of God the same, but the ones that were public, people probably didn't realise that anybody could go. So the numbers were down a bit for them, but mm. overall the whole lot of the sessions we believe that there was quite a good uptake of positions.
0: Mm. Were you sharing strategies to, you know, to to help prevent or at least potentially prevent suicide? So, Safe Talk is a um, strategy in itself. It's
1: um, a four hour session where people learn how to ask if somebody needs help,
0: Okay, yep.
1: how to recognize it, and then how to ask. And you do some practice towards the end of it of how you would come up to someone and notice that you seem a bit down. Is there anything I can do? Um, are you thinking of harming yourself? And it was really important to get that message out there that it's okay to ask, Are you thinking of suicide? Mm. Because people are often afraid of that, and they're frightened that if they mention the word suicide, that'll put something in their head. But that's not the case. People are thinking about it. Yeah, they want someone to bring it up. They want someone to recognise that they need that help.
0: So that that you've probably saved um, multiple lives, and and I guess you'll never know that you'll you'll never know. But um, I'm sure. You know, even if you save, the, the whole thing is even if you save one, you know, then that's a massive success. Do you- I've been lucky enough to, I did a um,
1: a speech once at a 3AW schools forum in Melbourne and Jim Steins actually brought a young man up at the end of it to introduce him to me, the young boy who'd struggled and who had contemplated suicide and he said, this boy wants to talk to you. And wow. the kid said, I wanted to kill myself, but I can't do that to my mum and dad after this thing together.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh God! <laughs> yeah, that was
1: like oh. wow. That was probably my first public, like I had spoken out, but that was the first time I'd done it in such a public way. Oh,
0: so, yeah, wow! This is
1: why I'm doing this. This is good. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, that touched me more than anything. Oh my God! So yeah. that's they're they're clearly working, clearly doing their yeah. job. Yeah. Oh my God! And so you also mentor funeral directors and... Yeah, that came
1: about too. That um, was really interesting. I'd been asked by Suicide Prevention Australia and I did some training on public speaking and the funeral directors have a yearly meeting of all their groups together and I went and spoke at that. And from that, Tobin Brothers have asked me several times to do some work with them and mentor the funeral directors about what I would have liked done differently or what I thought was important. And, Mm. And that was really good for me to be able to say, well, you know, way back in 2002, nobody would have thought that a mum could carry a coffin out. But it was something I really felt that I wanted to do because I brought them into the world. I wanted to carry them out, but I didn't ever mention that. I never said it, so I didn't do it. So I was able to say to the film directors, you know, offer women that choice, and they do do that now, which is really great. Wow,
0: wow. Oh God, you, yeah. you, you will, you've made. Um, yeah, you, you, I don't know if you can see it. I, th- I think I see you as extremely humble and extremely just doing your thing for just your kids. Your yeah. yeah, but. <laughs> I don't know if you can actually see, you know, from where I'm sitting, I just see impact after impact after impact, you know, that you're just you are just you know creating this impact in all these different areas and touching so many people's lives that I I believe, I truly believe you're saving people's lives just from the work you do. And I, I think that's I think that's spectacular. I really do.
1: I believe in an afterlife and I believe that we might come back and do things differently, learn things differently. And early on I thought to myself... I'm not coming back and doing the shit again. I'm gonna to get
0: to try and do the best I can. That I learn from it now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I always say the same thing. You know, people believe different things, and I think you've got to come back and redo what you didn't do well. No <laughs> so I, I, I always tell people, God, you got one crack at it. Do it, do it bloody well. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do this again. So I'm gonna try and do the best I can with what I've got now. Oh, uh, well you're you're doing buddy fantastically. It's um, you know one thing before we i'm going to I want to ask about um Fred Holliswell, but before we do that, how do you take care of yourself? because you you are bringing you're bringing up this emotional emotional dredging every time you talk about it. How, how do you look after you? When I speak with other families about their loss,
1: um again, Beth Phillips, the woman who started spam with me, taught me very, very early that. This is not your pain. Don't take on other people's pain as yours. And I've become very good at that. I can share my grief and share my story with them but not take on their pain. I don't do a whole lot of anything. I read. I watch movies. I don't do anything specific to look after myself. But I am aware that I need to keep myself healthy and If it does get too much, I'll say no now. Whereas I never used to say no.
0: Oh, good. Uh, Which is a big fault of women, isn't it? You know, we just keep saying yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a lot of the stress of my life is not stressful anymore. So things have improved in that way.
0: Yeah. You were recognised by the Fred Hollows Foundation, or you were nominated, and you know, for the Fred Hollows Award, the Fred Awards, the inaugural ones uh, for the humanitarian of the of the year Um, rightly so and I I couldn't think of a more deserving person you you won the award you took out the humanitarian of the year and firstly congratulations that's the first thing I want to say but secondly you absolutely deserve it for the incredible incredible work you do and I'm just so so happy that you got it and that you're doing that kind of work. Did you ever imagine um, something like this happening to you? Because you're not doing it for that reason. Uh,
1: No, definitely not. There's some twice I was um, paid a $1,000 for speaking at a funeral director's conference and both times I donated that money to SPAN because I never wanted to feel like I was profiting from the kid's death. Um, It's always been about underlying this is because I wouldn't be doing this. I'd probably be living a life oblivious to other people's pain.
0: Yeah, just, just say, in a way that. Well, you are living this, and you are doing great things, and you are saving lives, and you know, and you've been recognised for it. So, what does it mean to you to have that award to to receive that? Um,
1: Fred Hollows' name is held up with such high high esteem, and I'm so proud to be part of that um, process of being nominated and I think every single person that was nominated deserves and is a winner. Um, When I would heard that I had won it, I was just amazed that I read some of the things that other people had done and thought, I didn't think that I had done that much more than everybody else. I know talk the talk dog's now. cheering
0: for you. I think we, we we got the dog quiet there for a while and now <laughs> it's like celebrating your success. But I hear I hear what you're saying because I, you know, also read a lot of the things that everyone had done. And you know, for me, how I felt about it is that I was just so proud or so pleased that there were so many people doing so many great things for for other people, and I just think that. You Know when you see that your heart's filled with joy. It's not about competition or not about, you know, oh you know, it me, pick me. It's 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 how how damn grateful. This how I felt, and I'm sure you felt the same How how grateful you feel that there are so many people trying so hard, you know, just to make the world a better place. And oh yeah. And we used it,
1: Span, we used the nomination as another way to get that word out there that you can get help if you
0: need it and well hopefully now it brings you a lot more awareness you know hopefully this you can you know and I, I don't mean it in the wrong way but you've got this for the year you know hopefully for that year you can ride it and I don't mean in a in a using way but but you know ride on that wave so that um you can get to more people to talk about suicide prevention because it's um it's such a such a topic that he's still stigmatized and still there's shame attached to it. And it it needs that needs to change. And the more you can get it out there, the you know, better. That's for
1: sure. And very proud, very humbled, very honored, happy, happy of course, to have been chosen, but underlying it's that don't ever forget why you do this. You do it because your kids aren't here. Mm-hmm
0: which no award can ever, ever, ever. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, I think you're incredibly deserving and incredibly strong. I've said it three or four times, incredibly courageous. And, you know, you kind of say, well, no, I'm just doing what I have to do. But it does take strength. It really does take strength to bounce back up.
1: It has done. And I really appreciate the fact that um, my family, Stacey especially, really struggled with me being so public and out there and in your face and talking about it in a town that people knew but she never once asked me to not do it she she just no you've got to do it mum but just don't ask me to stand up there with you (laughs) (laughs) which is
0: i think you're doing amazing well, I tell you what—I've loved this interview, and it's not—it's not loved in a you know way that's uh, you know <laughs> wow, look at all this. But it—but it's it's a meaningful conversation that needs to happen. People need to hear this stuff, and they need to know that people are out there doing things for other families, and and just trying to, just trying to raise awareness and trying to prevent this from anyone else from going through the same pain. But this podcast is get off the bench, and it's to inspire people to take action. Um, you have done that. You've used the grief to um, springboard you into, you know, making the world a better place. But staying with the theme of suicide, which is just the worst um, the worst topic, but suicide prevention and awareness, what advice do you have for parents to get off the bench in relation to keeping their child safe from harm? Now, I know that's not totally, totally possible, but... It, if if they're in in an ideal world? I guess
1: underlying for me is that I believe that nobody thinks their own child would take their life. That absolute cannot believe that your child would do that. I think if you're feeling that your child might be suicidal or suffering in any way that could cause them self-harming, you have to get past that feeling and you have to bring it out there to them in the open and say it. Are you going to hurt yourself are you thinking of suicide as hard as it is to hear the answer it's certainly better than what could happen if you don't ask the question
0: yep yep 100 wow all right well now where can people find you how can they how can they follow span and support you and you know like keep up with your work and you know help if they can span
1: is spancv.org.au, that's our website address um, on Facebook, I'm not quite sure the address, of it, but it spans Central Victoria.
0: Yeah, I'll put the links in the show notes so people can link to that and yeah. Well, that'd be fantastic. Well, I hope people do, um, you know, st- at least follow you on uh, Facebook so that they're seeing what you're doing and they're, you know, getting some ideas and they feel like they're part of the um, prevention wave, you know, at, at least because I think that the more people on board with that, you know, the more chance we've got. Yeah, and I think we'll probably be holding a walk again next March in Bendigo. So, if you can yeah. and can anybody join? You don't have to be a Bendigo. Definitely, person. we've had. We had a lady come from Sydney one year. Fantastic! Oh, that that's fantastic. Well, hopefully, hopefully more people, hopefully people go up there and and do that, and that'd be really. The next meeting we have, we'll probably
1: have lots of discussions about when it will be and how we will do it to be COVID safe. But
0: well, keep us updated, and then I can also um promote that as well at the same time. So that's. That's wonderful. Well, Alana, thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I, it's always a hard topic, but I think it's a necessary one to go through. And I, I just think you're absolutely incredible. And I just, I'm so glad you've won that award so that I got to meet you and, um, you know, so that I, I could have the opportunity to bring this horrible, um, but but it, it's such an important topic yes, to the table. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, keep us updated, and I'll keep everybody updated from this end. And and I I, I can't wait to actually meet you in person one day. Thank okay. you, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right, bye. Oh, guys! Wow, what a woman! I don't. You know, I'm I'm almost speechless. I'm. It's just one of those topics that is just so bloody hard. And I guess to just find the courage and the strength and the the resilience to get back up to help other families and to try and prevent, you know, another family going through that grief is, is absolutely amazing and, uh, you know, so deserving to win the Fred Hollows Award. And anyway, please just follow Alana and her amazing work that she's doing with SPAN Central Victoria um have a check out their website so it's again it's spancv.org.au so spancv.org.au and you know please please follow them please I don't know talk to people about this listen to some of the things they've got to say and you know maybe we can all save a life just by being a lot more aware about this stuff so um, I'm gonna leave it there because I just don't know what else to say. But um, I hopefully that wasn't too hard to listen to. Um, hopefully that you can see that the despite grief that was could have been prevented, um the good that's come out of it is that Alana is helping other families. And anyway, I'm gonna leave it there. Thank you for joining me again as every week, and um, I will see you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.